0: what's up everybody and welcome back to the shoot your shot sports podcast today we've got another monday mailbag where we answer all kinds of questions from the people about a lot of different sports as well as a fan inspired big three draft we're also going to introduce a new segment with our anonymous bookie friend about worst bets of the week and get into some talk on what's been going on in major league baseball and the nba episode five coming at you right now everybody. I'm Landon Pangburn along with my brother and co-host Preston Pangburn. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon August 2nd and we've got some Major League Baseball and NBA games going on right now. Life feels like it's getting back to normal and I love it. P, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm, I'm a little bit sad that we're back from the beach, um, but I have luckily fully recovered from my day one sunburn. Uh, still dealing with some lingering soreness from the hundreds of spike ball games that we played, but luckily these injuries are not as severe or as embarrassing as some of the ones we're going to talk about later today.
0: Heard that. Yeah, my back is definitely still sore, which is kind of embarrassing since it's been like three days since we've played a game. I'm a little bit less sad than you because luckily I get to go back to the beach next weekend for a bachelor party and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but believe it or not, I'll be playing my first round of golf in over five years.
1: In over five years? Over
0: five years, yeah. I haven't played since I was in grad school, and I graduated grad school five years ago yesterday.
1: Wow, okay. Oh, I guess that's not that weird. I mean, I only play once a year at the Matt Clark Invitational, and that's
0: it. There we go, yeah. All right, well, we're going to get into Monday Mailbag today. Um, We're going to kick it off with a question that was sent in on the Anchor app via voice recording. This is Terrence from Atlanta.
1: Hey guys, what's going on? Big fan of the podcast. I have a quick two-part question for you. With the PGA Championship coming up this week, first I want to know who you guys like to take it and if you have any sleeper picks. The second part being, how much would someone have to pay you to hang out with Patrick Reed for a night?
0: So in order to answer the first part of that question, I'm going to give you one pick to win it as well as a sleeper pick. My pick to win the PGA Championship next weekend I'm going with Xander Shoffley, who is currently sitting at plus twenty-two hundred. He's yet to win a major championship, although he does have two second-place finishes and one third-place finish in majors. So he's shown that he can hang with the big guys on the big stage. I also like to pick guys in golf who are coming in on hot streaks, just because it's that type of game. Like if you have a little thing that's off in your swing, it completely destroys you. So guys tend to play well in consecutive tournaments and Xander Shoffley is on a streak of top 20 finishes right now. He's had three in a row and in the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which is going on right now as we're recording this, he's currently sitting in the top 10. So I'm going with Xander Shoffley to win his first major next weekend. As far as a sleeper pick is concerned, I'm going to go with a guy who's a little bit further down the list, which is Billy Horschel. He's currently listed at plus 14,000, but he's been playing good golf recently. Um, Along with Andrew Shoffley, he's also kind of on a little top 20 finish streak. Um, He's had a top 10 and a top 15 finish in his last two tournaments. And right now in this tournament that's currently going on, he's sitting in the top 20. So like I said, I like it when guys are coming in hot. So that's my sleeper pick. Who you got? Okay, well, plus fourteen thousand. That is a deep sleeper. A deep I, sleeper I didn't go yeah. that far down the list on my
1: sleeper, but I love it. And I love this question from Terence. Let's get some golf involved here. Uh, I love that it's a major week. You know, it feels like uh, golf is fully back. All the major names are going to be out there. Tiger is going to be out there. You got go. Brooks, Deschambeau. Who knows if a fight may break out on the course? I hope so. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm going to go with uh, not one of the you know top three favorites, but I think he's number five on the list to win it. Uh, I'm going with Justin Thomas. Okay, he sits there at plus 1,200. Um, He's number one in the FedEx Cup standings right now, number three in the world rankings. He's got two wins so far this year, eight total top 10 finishes. So he's pretty hot as well. Um, He's a guy who won his first major at the PGA Championship in 2017 at Quail Hollow. Um, He's respected as one of the best in the game right now, but he needs more major victories to be considered, you know, ever an all-time great. So I think he's a guy who's going to come out motivated and hopefully come out strong.
0: Yeah. And I was, I'd mentioned the current tournament that's going on with my two picks and right now as we're reporting this justin thomas is currently sitting one stroke back tied for second so yeah like you said coming in hot i like that
1: yeah he's just a good player i expect him to come out and play well this week uh it's worth mentioning the pga championship uh back-to-back champion brooks kepka mm-hmm. um uh, he won it at beth page black in new york last year uh interesting side note the runner up um the last two years that he won it Dustin Johnson and Tiger Woods Mm -hmm. shout out team all bad boy (laughs) oh my
0: gosh here we go John Daly's going to be coming in hot though you don't you don't even know it's coming
1: yeah exactly and happy Gilmore you never know if he's going to come out and play well too but um, so in terms of betting Rory McIlroy is the favorite at plus 900 Uh, he won a match play tournament at this course in 2015 so he's got a history of success here Um, John Rahm who recently moved to number one in the world rankings after his win at Memorial two weeks ago Um, he's tied for the second best odds at plus 1,100. So I'm taking JT right behind those guys at plus 1,200.
0: Okay. I like it. And then who do you have as your sleeper pick?
1: So like I said, I didn't go deep sleeper like you did, but he's at least outside of the top 10 in terms of odds. So I can hang my hat on that. Okay. Uh, he's number 11 on the list at 22 to one. So that's plus 3000 in terms of betting odds. I'm going with Colin Morikawa. Uh, he's a guy who his world ranking has improved like a thousand spots over the last couple years. He's up to number 12 after making 25 of his last 26 cuts. Uh, he played college golf at Cal Berkeley. So he's kind of familiar with where they're playing familiar with a lot of these Bay Area courses. Um, they're going to be playing this upcoming weekend um, at Harding Park in San Francisco. So he uh, he's familiar with these types of courses. Um, where I think he has a little bit of a disadvantage is that he's 5'9", 160. Um, his average driving distance ranks 110th on the tour. Um, but luckily for him, it's a it's a relatively short course at Harding Park. It's 7,169 yards, which I think averages like 7,300. So he's not going to be at too much of a disadvantage with these guys kind of beating it down the fairway, 400 yards. Um, but yeah, I, I, like Morikawa to come out hot.
0: Nice. Yeah. He was definitely low on my list of people to take in the bar fight, uh, draft. Yes. But he also won a tournament just a few weeks ago. So. You never
1: know. What if he's yeah. like the Ray Mysterio of golf? Yeah, you, he could be. You I gotta mean. have a grease man kind of flipping
0: around, running across the bar, spearing people and stuff. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. It was only three weeks ago that he won the workday charity open. I just looked it up. So call Morikawa was a good sleeper pick. What do you think about the second part of Terrence's question as far as how much money it would cost you to hang out with Patrick Reed for a night?
1: <laughs> well, it's it's funny the way that uh, the question is phrased. Clearly, Terrence is not a fan of Pat Reed, and nope. it sounds like a lot of guys on tour are not either. Um, I know that there's the whole thing with his family, and I think the last year he was accused of some kind of cheating. I don't yeah. know exactly what happened. So he
0: somehow improved his lie, ended up getting, a, I think, a two-stroke penalty and just... I think he didn't divulge it himself, and so he got in trouble. It was a bad look.
1: Right. <laughs> okay, well, to answer your question, Terrence, I'm going to be a cheap date on this one. Um, I'm going to just say 50 bucks. Just just cover my dinner and drinks for the night, and I'm good to go. Um, even though Patrick Reed clearly is not, you know, the most likable guy, the number one dude you'd pick to have a beer with, um, he's at least a little bit interesting. Like I just alluded to, there was the whole thing about how he's not spoken to his parents or his younger sister since he got married to uh, his now wife. in 2012 yeah it's tough yeah it's a little bit sad of course but um i guess they continued to like attend his tournaments but he had them barred or like security escorted them out from the us open in 2014 so it's at least interesting so i'd probably just kind of sit there and drink my beer and pry about his personal life until he left so 50 bucks because it probably wouldn't be too long of a night
0: yeah i feel bad because i'm basically taking the exact answer that you gave just whatever would cover dinner and drinks for the night. I feel like Patrick Reed just desperately needs a friend. And yes, I don't like the fact that he left UGA and got copper cheating and all this other stuff, but poor guy like he's, he's had a heart. I feel like we need to be nice to
1: Patrick Reed. Right. And you never hear the other side of the story. I really wonder what happened there. It's kind of like the whole Aaron Rodgers with his family thing too, but you just never know what's going on behind the scenes. Exactly. Okay. And for our second question from the mailbag, and by the way, this one came through Instagram. Um, if you don't follow us on Instagram yet, we are shoot.your.shot.sports. Um, a lot of dots involved, but hopefully you can find us uh, send in questions to our Monday mailbags. Um, but this one came from Michael Tenetti. Uh His question is, who is the best quarterback in the NFC North and why is it Matthew Stafford?
0: I, lo- I love the way that the question is phrased. My first thought would obviously be that Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. But since you are telling me how to answer the question, I'm going to try to kind of vibe with what you're going with. Believe it or not, because Aaron Rodgers stayed all four years in college and then sat his first three years behind Brett Favre in the NFL. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford left college a year early and started immediately. There's a good chance that Matthew Stafford ends up with a lot of career numbers that are better than Aaron Rodgers. For example, Matthew Stafford is currently sitting only 6,000 passing yards and just a little bit over 100 touchdowns behind Aaron Rodgers, despite being four years younger than him. So there's a pretty good chance that Matthew Stafford passes him in both of those stats before all is said and done. And the crazy thing is, who knows what kind of numbers Stafford could have put up had Megatron not retired at 30 years old. That's a good point. And I,
1: I love your answer here. I kind of took the same approach. You know, Michael's question was the definition of a leading question. But if he's going to ask it that way, I feel obligated to run with it. I'm with you. So I, I did the same thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm going more with a nerdy statistical approach here. Um, looking at QBR from last year, that's quarterback rating. Uh, Lamar Jackson led the league last year at 81.8. Uh, the next on the list, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. That rounds up your top five. Number six, right there, Matthew Stafford. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, he's above Kirk Cousins and he's above Aaron Rodgers. So who am I to say he's not the best quarterback in the NFC North?
0: I feel like we at least need to say Mitchell Trubisky's name.
1: <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> that was really nice of you. Uh, I'm not I'm not really sure I even remembered him. Uh, he's competing with Nick Foles for the starting job. But anyway, just a, a little, uh, another tidbit on Stafford. He had 19 touchdowns and five picks last year. He kind of started emerging as a sleeper in MVP conversations before he got injured and missed the second half of the season. But he was uh, playing really well. Um, and an interesting stat that I want to throw out there because I think that the first half of his season last year may not have been an anomaly, but more of just kind of a, a philosophical change offensively for the Lions. Uh, Matt Stafford led the league in average depth of target last year with 10.6 yards uh, right ahead of Jameis Winston at 10.4. So he's given his wide receiver core led by Kenny Galladay a chance to make plays down the field. So it's something to kind of keep an eye on this year. We'll see if Stafford will continue to be the best quarterback in the NFC Norse.
0: Yeah, and also obviously the fact that he's a Georgia Bulldog is big, And then big piece of recent news is that the Stafford family just recently had their fourth daughter after his wife had brain surgery last year. So congrats to the Stafford family. Big news. Got to love that. Love that. Congrats
1: to them. And I think that he, uh, did he announce that he was retiring from having children?
0: They did announce that they are done having children. Didn't get any boys in there, but they got a bunch of cute little girls. So we'll take it. Brief little side note is that I saw the Lions did put Stafford on the COVID list today. So hopefully all is well there and he's going to be back in camp before too long.
1: Yes, always on the COVID list. And that is a separate list from the people who are opting out. So nothing to be too concerned with at this point, but uh, hopefully he recovers quickly and he and the fam are all good. Yep.
0: All right. Moving on to our next question. We actually got a bunch of questions that are kind of related to the Marlins and COVID as it relates to baseball. The first one is from Billy in Atlanta who asked, what are the chances that major league baseball doesn't cut the shortened season even more? You got anything to throw in there?
1: I mean, as we mentioned on our previous episode, I don't think that they're going to cut the season in terms of going shorter than 60 games. There will be a lot of teams that finish and go 60, but they're just going to be forced to be okay with other teams playing 54, 55, in the Marlins case, maybe even 45. Um, Where it's going to get interesting is if the Marlins end up making the playoffs um, because they are not a good team. Um, I think in terms of their win total over under on Vegas to start the season, they were one of the lowest in the league. But with the volatility of a 45-game season, which is basically a quarter of a 162-game season, I mean, they can do anything. I mean...
0: Yeah, I I was going to say, I don't think they're going to come out and just give a new number of games, but I think they already, in effect, have shortened the season by saying it's okay for teams not to play all 60. And then another little side thing that somewhat shortens the season in a way is allowing these double headers that are only seven innings to happen I mean that's significantly fewer innings played over the course of a full season significantly fewer at bats for certain players less innings pitched for pitchers so that in effect is shortening the season already
1: yeah exactly and it's funny because if you look at the NLE standings the Braves just wrapped up uh, their game moved to seven and three and finally passed the two and one Marlins sitting there there still at that 667 win percentage chop on chop on baby All right, and our next question is another one from Instagram. It's from Buck McClure, um, Marlins related. He said, how should MLB punish the Marlins if they cause the season to be shut down? What do you think, Lando?
0: Okay, so I had two ideas for how they could be punished adequately for this. The first one is that they be forced to quarantine for all of next season. And it can be like a new thing for Major League Baseball games. Like during the seventh inning stretch of every game, we have like a live look in at the Marlins locked in a room and we can all just kind okay. of point and laugh at them. So that was my first my first uh, little theory on how we could punish them. The second one is actually my favorite one. Do you remember in Space Jam when Michael Jordan's on Moron Mountain? He's like chained to the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, all <laughs> yep. the, and all the little kids, I get to play him one-on-one, but he can't move. So they beat him and he's just like humiliated. Yeah. Okay, so... For next season, I think the Marlins should have to play defense all chained to the ground. It would allow them to get just enough outs for the games to eventually end, but they would lose every game like 25 to nothing. So I think that would be properly humiliating and uh, and kind of sufficient for them ruining the season.
1: I absolutely love those answers. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see what kind of shifts they'd put on hitters if they were kind of had shackles on their ankles. They cannot shift. They can't shift. <laughs> no, okay. Chain, they're chained to the ground. All right. So a- okay. So add <laughs> add that to the list of their punishments. I absolutely love those. Um, the first idea you said quarantine for the whole season. They're right down the uh, street from NBA bubble in Orlando. Maybe yep. they could just spin the season there. The NBA can
0: continue its bubble. The Marlins can move in when the NBA players move out.
1: Okay. I I love that. Um, So my idea is one that I am stealing from our fantasy baseball league Uh, for those fantasy baseballers out there. The season started this past week. Um, We were kind of deciding on a punishment for the last place finisher because it's a new league. And what we decided on is something we borrowed from our friends, fantasy football league a couple years ago. It is that the last place finisher has to go to a waffle house for 24 hours and they get to subtract one hour for every waffle that they eat.
0: (laughs) So that is an incredible punishment. I love that.
1: It's absolutely
0: fantastic. I've never heard of such a thing. And I am a huge fan of that.
1: Yeah, if anyone's familiar with uh, the Atlanta area, which I think most of you are, uh, our friend did it at the Waffle House by Johnny's Hideaway, which is just the worst one I <laughs> I could ever imagine picking. But I mean, good for him. Oh, but anyway, classic. yeah, I, th- I think MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred just kind of has to search for the largest Waffle House in the Metro Miami area and just kind of you know send them in there, and y- you basically. I don't think that you can go with a similar thing about having to finish, um, however many waffles in 24 hours and get to subtract one. I think you just have to eat one or two waffles per hour until you have a negative test.
0: That's perfect. I'm all about that. All right. Well, let's move on to our next question. This is from Connor. This was also on Instagram. He asked if the MLB cancels the season, how do you think it will affect other sports? What you got on that?
1: So, I think that regardless of whether uh, MLB shuts down the season or not, it's just kind of already affecting other sports in terms of being a cautionary tale for the NFL. The NFL's got to be looking at this and saying the fact that we don't have a bubble, we're going to have everybody traveling to and from their home cities, we are in trouble. Um, and they've got to figure out, you know, what protocols to put in place to work around that Uh, i think a lot of the pushback about rob manfred and the mlb so far is that they didn't put any kind of guidelines and protocols in place for personal conduct from players Um, i think that the Uh, Allegations are that the Marlins spent a night at a club in Atlanta. That's why they came down with Corona. Uh, I think that people are saying that the Cardinals went to a casino somewhere in Missouri. It's like you have to have some sort of accountability for these people um, personally
0: outside of team activities to where you're going to be able to make it work. I completely agree. Yeah. The first thing I was going to say is that it doesn't affect a lot of sports. Like it has no effect on the NBA and the NHL, for example, because they both have bubbles. It has no effect on like non-team sports like UFC and tennis and golf because they don't need it. The one sport that it does have an effect on is the NFL and college football too. The problem for me is I just don't think a bubble is at all possible, right? Like it cost the NBA $150 million to have 22 teams of 15 players each in a bubble only for eight regular season games and the playoffs. The NFL, on the other hand, has 32 teams, of 53 players each and that doesn't even include practice squad and other guys are going to have to kind of come in when COVID tests are positive and you're trying to do that for an entire regular season and playoffs I just don't see how you can do it
1: Yeah, with the the larger rosters, larger staffs, like you mentioned, all the travel, I I am not super optimistic about football. Um, The NFL has a history of, I guess there's no precedent for this kind of thing, but the NFL just always figures it out. Um, As much as people hate on Roger Goodell, he always just figures it out. So I trust that they'll at least get up and get running. But my question is, what happens when a big time quarterback comes down with it or an entire position group, say, you know, all of the Atlanta Falcons wide receivers have it? What do you do then?
0: Yeah, I have no idea. Unfortunately, like you said, it doesn't make me feel very positive about about football happening. Um, But that's really the only sport that this is going to uh, have an effect on. Hopefully, like you said, the NFL and college football will kind of learn what Major League Baseball did right and what they did wrong and implement that into their protocols and procedures.
1: Agreed. And if there's any silver lining in this, I'm happy it's happening this way as opposed to the other way around. I want the MLB baseball to be kind of the guinea pig for this for other sports to figure it out, because I think most people would agree you you just want football. Everyone just needs football to be back and all will be right with the world. We need football. Next question from the mailbag is another from Instagram. This one is from Michael Ruskell. Michael says, surprise trivia from the audience. No research, answer live on air and show your work. One NBA team has two players in the top five of distance traveled this year, basically how far they ran in games. Name the team and the two players. So first of all, I absolutely love this. Um, Thank you, Michael, for sending this in. And If anyone else has uh, cool or interesting trivia questions, please send them in to us. Uh, Lando, take this one away.
0: Okay, yeah. This is I wanted to say thank you first because this is the exact kind of sports nerddom that I love. Yeah. Like <laughs> any trivia questions like this are very much welcome. So I want to take you through my thought process and then I'll give you my answer. So first of all, obviously, the two guys that are answers to this question have to be guys who were healthy the entire season and who played a lot of minutes. So they got to be starters. Secondly, I think they both have to be guards just cuz guards move more than big men. And preferably guards who are active on offense. So not like James Harden, even though he leads the league in minutes, he just stands still and dribbles the entire time. Um, and hopefully they're going to be people who try on defense as well. So I narrowed it down to two guard combos. My first one is Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum of, of the Portland Trailblazers. My second one, this is kind of a random one, but my second one was Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier of the Charlotte Hornets. The way he phrased the question, which was name the team, just made me think that it was an obscure team, and for that reason, I think I'm going to guess Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, but I like both of those answers. I would be pretty confident it's one of those two.
1: Wow okay I I like you trying to get in Michael's head uh, the way he phrased the question with name the team so I have the exact same thought process here it's got to be guys who play a lot of minutes um, guards who are running up and down the floor a a lot of these big guys in the front court tend to kind of lag behind and take some possessions off Um, so I'm of the same mindset on that one the two combos that I had down were one Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for the Blazers and the other um, I had uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden for the Rockets Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if Russell Russ was dealing with some injuries this year. I think he may have missed some time, so I'm not sure he could have gotten there, but um, I'll, I'll be really interested to see the answer because like Landon said, we're huge stat nerds, but this is the type of stat I didn't even know existed. Like distance travel, just running on the court. It's a stat so stupid, it's beautiful. So my my gut feeling is that, like you said, it's a, it's a guard combo. It's a team without a ton of depth. So these guys are playing a ton of minutes. So that kind of leads me to the answer of Damian Lillard, CJ McCall on Portland Trailblazers.
0: Yeah, this has actually been a stat that's been around for a long time in soccer, which I think is really cool. It kind of like okay. shows who the workhorses of the team are, but it's one of those new stats to basketball that's just really fun to look at. I thought about James Harden as well with Russell Westbrook. But like I said a minute ago, James Harden just stands still so much on defense and offense. I actually thought about doing Russell Westbrook and P.J. Tucker because P.J. Tucker gets after him okay. too. So. All right, so we actually had Michael email us the answer and hide the answer low enough that we couldn't see it without opening it. So I'm about to open the email for the first time. He said, here's the answer. C.J. McCollum, number one, and Damian Lillard number five. <laughs> he said, Dame was technically sixth by a couple hundred feet but two guys in the top five sounds cooler. Interesting that the top four of distance traveled were all shooting guards, who knew?
1: Wow, okay. Wait, so it's it's top six?
0: Yeah, it's top are we, six.
1: Are we frauds? <laughs> we might be frauds did, now. Did Michael bait us into being frauds?
0: I don't know, but Michael, I want to know where you got these stats, and please send them to me, because I want to study them, because I'm a weirdo. Yeah, we're,
1: we're going to need the source for that. Yep.
0: All right, so let's move on to our next question. This is from Scott in Portland, Oregon. He said sup dudes one of the biggest if not the biggest conference games of the year in college football uga at alabama is now looking like it will be each team's first game of the season with only a fraction of the stadium full the question is who do you think that benefits more not who wins the game but rather who gains the most from the scheduling change On the Bama side, you have an established offense with a quarterback with some experience leading their offense, and you still have some home field advantage. On the UGA side, you're now playing game one with a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator at Alabama. The bonus is that Alabama will have no idea what UGA's offense is, and the lack of fans should help the offense get settled in and communicate more effectively, something that may have been a challenge with 100,000 people screaming, peace and love, Scott. What do you think about that question?
1: Well, it's a fantastic question, and I think Scott already did a pretty good job kind of laying the groundwork for an answer for us. I mean, he uh, he makes some really good points. And and to answer the question, I I think that I'm going to say it gives... A more of an edge to Alabama um, regardless of who you're playing for Georgia just to have a new quarterback in either Jamie Newman transfer from Wake Forest or JT Daniels transfer from USC and then Todd Monken is the new OC it's just it's really hard without spring practices to implement that offense and not to mention I mean your first game ever like the first time you're ever running plays together with these new people is against a Nick Saban Alabama defense on the road I mean Another part of Scott's question, I'm not necessarily saying that means Alabama wins the game, but that's just kind of a nightmare for Georgia offensively. Uh, hopefully, as Georgia fans are able to figure it out. Um, but I, I just expect that to be a little bit of a slugfest, kind of a low-scoring game with two really strong defenses and new quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I feel like we need to give a brief update because this announcement was since our last podcast. The SEC came out and announced that we are going with a 10-game game Conference only schedule, and it's not going to begin until September 26th. And originally, this Georgia and Alabama game was supposed to happen the week before on September 19th. So, not really sure if this is actually going to happen. Like, if Georgia Alabama is going to be first. If you go to Alabama's website, it has their whole schedule is to be determined. So, if this is the first game, I do think that's an advantage for Alabama. I mean, just as a Georgia fan, with a new quarterback coming in, not having a spring game. And not having any warm up games at all, that's a really tough first game. They always talk about how there's no substitute for game experience. Like you can throw routes to your receivers all day, but until you do it in a game against defenders who are really trying to stop you, that's just, that's hard.
1: Yeah. And and for Georgia fans, I mean, I I absolutely love the hire of Todd Munkin. I think bringing in an NFL guy who prioritizes the passing attack, it kind of marks a a transition of Georgia's offensive philosophy that should serve them well going forward. I also love the transfers they got at quarterback. It uh, may even be an upgrade, honestly, over the way Jake Fromm played last year. Um, But I just I can't think of a what is a worse scenario than game one on the road at Bama.
0: There's not one. I don't think that's that's pretty brutal. I do, like you said, think it's going to be a low-scoring slugfest. The both defenses should be nasty. Georgia's got a lot of good guys coming back, and Bama always reloads. So expect a low-scoring but really good game.
1: Yeah, and if I if, if I may offer an early prediction, I'm going to go with a really low-scoring battle.
0: Let's do Georgia 13 to 12. Ooh, I like it. All right, we got one more question. This was also sent in via the Anchor app, and it's a voice recording. This is from Sam in Atlanta. Hey, guys. It's Sam from Atlanta. Just a question about baseball injuries and absurd reasons why guys go on the IL or DL. Um, Earlier this year, I saw Jose Quintana cut his hand up in unloading dishes, and I just saw Eric Cosmer to the DL for bad gas or gastritis. Uh, pretty absurd. So wanted to get your take on are these legitimate reasons and some other crazy injuries that may stick out to you guys in recent history. Thanks.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Sam. That's a great question. Uh, From what I had seen, Eric Hosmer was dealing with a quote-unquote stomach ailment. So I did not know that it was just bad gas, according to Sam. But anyway, it's a hilarious question. Um, Looking uh, into this, there are actually a ridiculously long line of funny absurd baseball injuries going back to like the 80s um so to answer your question sam are these reasons legitimate for missing games sure i mean i don't know why they'd make them up or just want to miss time otherwise so i guess they're legitimate but um more importantly you have inspired us to uh run with a big three segment on this so lando let's do uh let's do a big three draft of most absurd and funny baseball injuries of the past
0: Let's do it. If you haven't been with us before for a big three draft, we just draft three of whatever category we come up with, whatever y'all give us, and we put it to a vote to who comes up with the better team of three. So like you just said, about to do a draft of the best three funny, ridiculous baseball injuries.
1: Yep. And I, th- I think that we agreed that we're going to switch off who gets the number one overall pick on these. And I think that I got it last time. Is that right?
0: You did get it last time. So I'm going to take the number one pick this time. I'm going to start off, there's, there's so many good options here. I'm going to start off going with one that popped into my head immediately because it was very recent. It was only a couple of years ago and it was in Atlanta because it was a, an Atlanta Brave. It was with the first overall pick. I'm taking Eric Ibar, who was an infielder a few years back prior to a game. He was in the starting lineup and was eating chicken wings as his pregame meal and had a chicken wing bone <laughs> stuck in his throat and had to get sedated so that it could get <laughs> removed and ended up missing a couple of games. So Eric Ibar's is my number one pick wow okay i don't even remember that one i don't think what year was this it was 2016 and um a funny part about that is he was absolutely terrible at baseball prior to this and this just like lit a fire in him and he was a pretty good player after that no way wow i love it
1: the reverse curse of the chicken bone yep okay i love that um i'm gonna go with my first overall pick going back to 1990 glenn allen hill Um, outfielder for the Blue Jays. So he showed up to work one day with cuts on his feet, knees, and elbows uh, because he had fallen through a glass table in his home. Um, When pressed for uh, a more thorough explanation of what happened, he said that he is deathly afraid of spiders. Uh, He was having a nightmare in which spiders were chasing him. So he got up out of his bed and was, I guess, sleepwalking slash sleep running away from the spiders, at which point he tripped and fell through his glass table. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you <laughs> That is just so absurd.
1: Yeah, and I love the explanation just because it's a flat-out lie. Yeah, Um, (laughs) there was something sketchy going on there. Exactly, and what it reminds me of for any um, Eastbound and Down fans out there, uh, it's reminiscent of when Kenny Powers was at the middle school dance and threw up in the middle of the dance floor, and he just said, it's the egg rolls, not the ecstasy. (laughs) Glenn Glenn (laughs) Allen Hill, with the explanation about running from spiders in his nightmare, he might as well have just...
0: Said it was the spiders, not the acid. <laughs> that's a pre- that's a pretty good one. Okay, uh, with the third overall pick and the second pick of my team, I'm going with Jeremy affelt who was a relief pitcher for the Giants, and in 2011. He cut his hand open trying to separate frozen hamburger patties and yes. was unable to pitch for a, a little bit of time. So I thought that was pretty ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that that's a really good one. I had it on my list, so I guess I have to scratch it off now. That that's a good one. I'm happy you have that on your team. Um, for my second pick, I'm going um, kind of on theme with the knife. Uh, Adam Eaton, 2001. He was an outfielder for the Padres at the time, and he was using a pocket knife to open the plastic wrapping of a DVD and accidentally stabbed himself in the stomach when the knife slipped as he was trying to open the DVD. Oh my gosh. So I don't know about you. I mean, there's only probably four or five movies in the world that I'm willing to stab myself in the stomach to watch. (laughs) And I, I just hope it was something good. I wish I could know what it was.
0: I, I, that's going to be a future big three. Is movies that you're willing to stab yourself in the stomach for? <laughs> <So. laughs>
1: that, that's a good one. Two thousand one. I'm trying to think what movies from two thousand one I'd be willing to stab myself in the stomach for. Legally Blonde. Remember
0: the Titans. Okay, yeah, that's there a go. good one. There's two already. All Let's right, those go. are our first two picks. All right, all right. With my next one, I'm taking Marty Cordova Damn of it. the Orioles in two thousand two who fell asleep in a tanning bed and burned his face so badly that doctors told him he could not be in the sun for a little bit, which caused him to miss some game time. Just, I don't think a tanning bed injury could ever happen in any other sport no it
1: couldn't i kind of get it though if i was playing for a really bad team and i could just go cook myself in the tanning bed for a
0: little bit and get a few days off i might do it they spend all day in the sun as it is just stay on the edge of the dugout and i don't know (laughs) give me a break that's another one that i love i I
1: think that i saw the team doctor advised him to sit out day games and play night games for a week so i think he was kind of switching off days only missed a couple games but yeah you you hate to cook your face in the tanning bed (laughs) Marty Cordova, legend okay so for my next pick uh, I'm gonna go with Steve sparks back from 1994 he was a pitcher for the Brewers at the time uh, during spring training I guess he was he was being a little bit of a hardo trying to impress some people and do a uh, old world strongest man challenge um, he was trying to tear a phone book in half and in the process separated his shoulder and missed the season <laughs> so for for a young pitcher that's trying to prove himself and make it in the big leagues you absolutely hate to hurt yourself trying to tear a phone book in half, but that's the kind of thing that happens in baseball.
0: That is a tough way to go. Imagine telling your family that, like you're about to uh, about to make it big in the big leagues, and then that goes down. I mean, that's just a
1: classic omission when you're talking to your family. It's like, you're not going to lie to them. Just be like, Hey, you guys know I'm a baseball player. I suffered an injury today at spring training. I separated my shoulder. I am not taking questions at this time.
0: And then when it comes out in the news, that's it's <laughs> an awkward conversation.
1: Yeah. And that's something that struck me as kind of funny when we were researching these is that the guys didn't lie about these explanations. I would lie about every single one of yes, these. I mean, sure. I guess Glenn Allen Hill did about his acid drip, but everyone else, <laughs> like, why are you telling people you stabbed yourself in the stomach trying to open a
0: DVD. Unreal. All right, I'm I'm in a motion right now to turn this big 3 into a fab 5 because I think there's there's just too many good ones. You want to just go two more picks each? Yeah, the pool is so
1: deep. Sam, thank you for this question. Yes. This, this this is a really good one. It's um,
0: amazing how many of these there are. Yeah, keep keep going. Okay, so with my fourth overall pick for my team, I'm going with pitcher Joel Zamaya in 2006, who injured his wrist while vigorously playing Guitar Hero and was forced to miss three games.
1: Yes, that's an unfortunate one. And unfortunately, kind of a trend. I think a couple years ago, maybe last year, David Price uh, was suffering from some arthritis in his wrist, and he admitted that it was from playing
0: too much Fortnite. There we go. Yeah, And Joel Zamaya actually became so famous for doing this that Guitar Hero 2 actually had a little thing in the credit saying no pitchers were injured in the making of this game. No way. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> That's I incredible. I love that.
1: Good for them throwing some humor in there. Yep. Okay, so my next one, I guess we're in the honorable mentions at this point, or I guess number four, uh, I am going with Sammy Sosa. Yes, Legend. I know
0: exactly. That's a good one.
1: Legend. In 2004, he, uh, I was going to say suffered, but did he suffer anything? I don't know. He had two what was called violent sneezes that caused a sprain ligament in his back and back spasms. He missed
0: 30 games. Wow. That's I'm sneezing? That's I'm not great at math, brutal. but that's 15 games per sneeze. <laughs> That is fantastic. Yeah, and that's back when he was like pretty good still too. I think that's when he was like still a legitimate player in Major League Baseball. That's a that's a tough injury.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like in a pennant race or this guy is, you know, in the running for MVP, just sneezes and sorry. See you, see, see you next
0: month. Yep. All right. So, I still have like four to choose from from the last pick, but I'm going to go with Carl Pavano in 2013, you know, this one?
1: Yep. All
0: right. So, Carl Pavano was outside shoveling snow in his driveway he slipped and fell and landed on like the butt end of the shovel and it went into his abdomen ended up lacerating his spleen and collapsing one of his lungs which i wouldn't normally laugh at this except for he's fine now um thankfully he recovered but that is a tough way to go down too just shoveling snow in your driveway and next thing you know you can only halfway breathe and you got to have surgery like what the
1: heck you hate to see it, and there, yeah, I guess no matter what the uh, utensil or weapon is, the common theme here is don't stab yourself in the stomach yeah. while you're at home.
0: Yeah, bad idea. Be careful,
1: guys. Um, okay, so my last one, I'm gonna go with Kendrys Morales, and this one isn't as funny. It's just kind of sad, but it's very relevant in the context of this. Uh, he hit a walk off home run in a game in May of 2010, and as he was rounding third base, coming home, of course the teammates just ready to ambush him at home plate and celebrate with him. He does the classic you know two steps out and jump onto home plate and when he lands on home plate breaks his ankle Mm -hmm. this was in may 2010 and he didn't play another major league game until april 2012 so he was celebrating a walk-off home run and basically sidelined himself for two years that's tough that is tough
0: yeah this one you can laugh at too because it ends well he came back and actually had a couple more really productive seasons it was good and was good again but yeah being out two years celebrating a walk-off home run is not a good look No, not at all. All All right, right, you have any more? Yeah, a couple honorable mentions, even though we're done filling out our teams. Um, Jonathan Lucroy, a couple years back, uh, catcher, I think he was in the Brewers at the time, was in his hotel room and had lost one of his socks, and so he was reaching around for it with his hand on the ground and his wife dropped a suitcase on his hand and broke his hand. And so he missed a while. That'll happen. And then also maybe the most famous one in recent history was Trevor Bauer um, cutting his finger open while repairing his drone and he (laughs) had to get removed from game three of the ALCS because his finger was bleeding too much.
1: Yeah. I love that one. That makes me kind of like Trevor Bauer a little bit more because he, he kind of is a a standoffish kind of outspoken, angry, angry, seeming guy. Um, So for something that that humanizes him like that and makes him seem like a little bit of a nerd I love that.
0: And I also love how he brought his drone to the press conference to like do a demonstration and explain exactly how he cut his finger open. Right. I love that. And then a couple more honorable
1: mentions that I have. Uh, George Brett in 1983 who's one of the best players of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, 1983 he was doing laundry while watching a uh, a baseball game. Um, Ran from the laundry room into the living room uh, to see a play. In the process stubbed his toe broke his pinky toe and missed a bunch of time uh Blake Snell pitcher for the Rays in 2019 broke his toe while moving a granite stand in his bathroom and then one more good one and I don't want to pile on this guy because I love him he's a hometown Braves legend but John Smoltz do you know this one I don't he burned his chest because he ironed his shirt while he was wearing it
0: (laughs) that is amazing yes I wish that I was like had enough ingenuity to do that, but I'm glad that he kind of set the, set the tone for me. I just me can't I'm imagine
1: just putting the hot iron on your chest like, damn, that hurts. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, but yeah, moral of the story is these professional baseball players, they get paid millions, tens of millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions to play baseball and be really good at it. But they're not elite at household chores, whether it's shoveling snow, doing laundry, moving granite
0: stands on your bathroom. You can't expect these guys to be great at everything. I love how deep this list is. But unfortunately, we've come to an end of this segment. We are now going to introduce a brand new segment for the first time to y'all called Stinkers of the Week. Yes,
1: this is a great one. It's about uh, sports betting. If you're into gambling, you'll love this. Everyone is familiar with it. Sometimes you have a great bet, some, one that's like very chill from the beginning. The team you bet on comes out hot. And then sometimes it's the exact opposite and you lay an absolute stinker.
0: Yes. And so what we are going to do is kick it over to our anonymous bookie friend who will forever re- remain unnamed for obvious reasons. We're going to call him Bookie bets. <laughs> Wait, it, are we going with bookie, bookie bets or Bookie? I think we got to go Bookie because it rhymes with Mookie, but it's named after a Bookie, but it's Bookie bets. <laughs> okay,
1: fair enough. I love that. All right, Bookie bets, take it away.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's always been a dream of mine to make fun of how badly people bet on a public platform, and shoot your shot sports is a perfect place. My name is Bookie bets, and you might be asking yourself, is he related to Mookie? And the answer to that is clearly no. I would never be related to an overvalued Dodger. To introduce this segment, I'll be taking you through a few of the worst bets I see come through every week, also known as stinkers of the week, so we can all laugh at how little everyone knows about sports betting. The first stinker of the week comes on a warm summer night on July 30th in Los Angeles, featuring the Angels at home against the Mariners. The bet was Angels minus one and a half. I repeat, somebody actually bet Angels minus one and a half. It was a shit show from the jump, and the Angels went down three to nothing. And the Mariners scored another five in the ninth to win eight to five. Who would ever bet on the Angels minus one and a half in any situation at all, especially with Trout not even in the lineup? Angels get smoked at home once again, eight to five. The second stinker of the week came also on July thirtieth, with the start of the NBA. The bets were Clippers-Lakers over two nineteen and a half, Jazz-Pelicans over two twenty-eight. So this guy is a perennial stinker, but he's also a new father. Will the new baby change his luck? The answer to that is hell no. The first night the NBA is back, players are obviously going to be rusty, out of shape, tired, and he decides to rip a parlay with two overs. This was a big mistake as both went way under, and he misses the overs by a combined 33.5 points for both games. Hopefully you're a better father than you are at betting. The third stinker of the week comes between the Mets and the Braves on July 31st. Now, the bet here was Mets-Braves under 10.5. And And the guy betting, he doesn't bet very often, but when he does, he loves to lose and lose big. But the good thing is, pretty sure his family is a Cuban mafia drug lord family, so I think he's going to be okay. So the pitching matchup between Mets and Braves was Porcello versus Newcomb. Everyone in the world knows that this is going to be a bloodbath with runs galore. However, this guy decides to take a trill under 10 and a half and gets absolutely destroyed as Mets Braves score 21 total runs. Just an absolute stinker. The final stinker of the week is actually a series of stinkers. So this guy, we like to call him the Guides, or the Italian Stallion. And he is a self-proclaimed hockey guy. So the first night of hockey on Saturday, August 1st, comes in, and he comes in with five hot overs. Blackhawks Oilers over six, Rangers Hurricanes over five and a half, Jets Flames over five and a half, Canadians Penguins over five and a half, Panthers Islanders over five and a half. He misses four out of five and starts the season down almost $100 off the jump. He doesn't bet very much either, but he also loves to lose a lot. And to make it even better... He doubles down on Sunday with five more bets on hockey, but this time taking all unders. Let's see how it plays out tonight, but this guy is a stinker.
1: All right. Thank you for that, Buki. Uh, Great first segment. We look forward to uh, bringing you back. I'm going to be a little bit sad when you start saying this stinker came in from the younger, dumber host of a startup sports podcast, (laughs) but you know, it's inevitable that'll happen because if there are three sure things in life, it's death, taxes, and terrible sports bets from the boys.
0: Heard that. All right. Let's move on to some just NBA talk couple things that I wanted to point out that have happened so far in NBA. We had a few really big performances over the weekend. James Harden came out hot. People were kind of expecting a slow start uh, from a lot of these big players because they had a hard time keeping in shape during quarantine, but James Harden came out and dropped 23 points in the first quarter against the Mavs, wound up with 49-9 and 8. And then you also had two really good performances in the Pacers and Sixers game yesterday. Joel Embiid was unstoppable, had 41 points, 21 rebounds. And then TJ Warren dropped 53 points in a Pacers win. He was on fire, ended up with nine threes. That was really fun to watch.
1: It was really fun to watch. I feel like the whole weekend was kind of amazing. It was. Uh, I was very impressed by the quality of play kind of starting on Thursday night with that Lakers Clippers game. Um, I, I wouldn't say Kawhi and LeBron were quite at their best, but, um, Paul George looked fantastic. Uh, Anthony Davis had one of his best games of the year. Uh, It came down to the final shot, final second. I thought the quality of play was way better than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, it was great. I was impressed with the intensity of the games, especially with these teams that are already in the playoffs. They have nothing really to play for because seeding isn't that big of a deal when you don't have home court advantage. But they came out, like all the big teams, trying to win and playing really hard, um, including all their big players playing a lot of minutes. So that was a lot of fun
1: it was a lot of fun. And going back to Lakers clips, I mean, the Lakers are five and a half games, or I guess coming into this, we're five and a half games ahead of the Clippers for the one seed. And the Clippers are basically cemented into their two seed. But even though there's not really seeding to play for, I think they're trying to set a tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they know that they're on a collision course with each other for the Western Conference Finals, the battle for LA, it's kind of this renewed rivalry. So I think they're just trying to set a tone against each other.
0: Yeah, so that was fun. And then coming on the other end of that, you had the Lakers and Raptors and the Raptors looked awesome. I, I picked in our NBA preview episode, I picked the Raptors to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but then lose to the Bucks. I'm really excited about that pick now because the Raptors are legit and they're they're coming and I'm even more excited than I was because after watching that game and just kind of seeing what they bring to the table, even without Kawhi Leonard, I think they have a legitimate shot at taking the Bucks deep into a series. I'm not going to go so far as to pick them yet, but that could be really fun.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of big, bigger on the Raptors than I was a week ago after watching them. I mean you have to consider that maybe we just keep sleeping on them and we shouldn't. It's almost like with Nick Nurse at the helm, they're kind of like this new age Spurs type team where they really don't have a superstar anymore after Kawhi left, but they just play a beautiful brand of basketball uh, led by Pascal Siakam, who has come on strong, candidate for most improved player again for the second year in a row. Um, he's just a two-way wing who is just phenomenal. And they, they kind of feed off of him. Uh, they got Marc Gasol, Fred Van Vliet. They, they've got guys who are, are established
0: in the league or of of starting to make names for themselves and they're a team to watch yeah they've got a great mix of players it's kind of a cool little combination of really good guard play they have these wings that are long and athletic they have a lot of really good defensive players like that's just that's just a good team and then another team like them that was also fun to watch over the weekend was the thunder i loved watching the thunder they've got those three guards running around with all these small ball lineups and then it's always just fun because steven adams is always in the mix like trying to sumo wrestle and fight people he just instigates everybody and everyone is so mad it's Steven Adams by the end of the game. I just love these kind of teams that are in a way superstarless. I know Chris Paul is a superstar, but they don't have like one dominant scorer that are still really competitive and, and playing really good basketball.
1: The Thunder did come out real hot, and they're a fun team to watch. Uh, We mentioned last week that I kind of want to see Thunder rockets in the first round desperately, so we really need the Thunder to keep playing well, and I'm kind of aggressively anti-Jazz right now, um, hoping they move down to the sixth seed. But I heard a stat uh, the other night, as the Thunder were dismantling the Jazz, that the combination of Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and your boy Dennis Schroeder is the highest rated, in terms of efficiency rating, trio in the entire NBA this season I thought
0: that was pretty interesting that is interesting and just watching them like you got Chris Paul out there always dropping dimes but then he's just like toying with people I love when he gets switched onto a big man and pick and roll and he just like plays with them and it's awesome and then when I was watching them yesterday I think it's amazing that nobody can stay in front of Dennis Schroeder like Dennis Schroeder just goes around everybody that guy can get into the lane whenever he wants and that's a really valuable tool to have
1: Yep, and then SGA is a is a budding star in the league too. Uh, kid out of Kentucky, he's long, he he can shoot, and he can play defense. Uh, he's going to be really good in the league for a long time. So that trio of guards just kind of playing small ball, throwing a different look at these teams. They're they're having trouble figuring it out.
0: Yeah, and then they even had uh, Nerlens Noel was flying around blocking shots. I think he had like four or five block shots yesterday. Like that's just it's fun team to watch.
1: Yeah, Nerlens needs to be out there with a few guys like that who are going to do all the scoring. If you completely uh, don't rely on Nerlens at all for scoring and just let him fly around and block
0: shots and play defense, he can be pretty good. Yep. All right. So let's talk about Major League Baseball to wrap it up today the small sample size is already doing its thing and we have a lot of really unexpected teams towards the top of their divisions the colorado rockies are currently sitting at five and two and slightly ahead of the los angeles dodgers we've also got the orioles in second place in the al east and the detroit tigers at five and three are currently second in the al central what you got
1: there Baseball has been interesting so far. We mentioned the NL West as a division that the Dodgers were just going to run away with, but yeah, small sample size is, is doing its thing. And I, I found myself really kind of cheering for the Rockies because they're just a fun team. Mm-hmm. You remember, what was it? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the whole Rocktober thing when they yes. made this incredible run to the world we're series, like 17 and, in a row or something crazy like that. Yeah. It was like 22 out of 23 or yeah, something at the end of the season, uh, into the play in the Red Sox in the world series with Josh Beckett pitching that game one. Anyway, uh, I found myself pulling for the rockies just because their lineup is so much fun mm-hmm. um i think maybe the most underrated duo in all of baseball is nolan arenado and trevor story trevor story's a beast they're great and don't forget about uh mlb journeyman charlie blackman in that lineup too he's still really good uh unfortunately their rotation's not all that strong it's anchored by herman marquez as the ace john gray is our number two starter and he is just incredibly average but a good lineup with not great pitching so it's you got some high scoring games balls tend to fly out of there at Coors Field they just they f- play a fun uh, type of baseball with some high scoring games and I hope that they can keep it up
0: yeah I saw a stat the other day when I was watching the Rockies that Charlie Blackman is one of three players in baseball to have a career average of 300 or more against both righties and lefties which is a very impressive stat for a non-switch hitter I don't know who the other two are so I need to look that up but I thought it was pretty impressive that's a good question it wouldn't be chipper would it Well, Chipper is current players, but Chipper did have a career average of 300, more than 300 from the right and left side of the plate. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Blackman, he can hit.
1: I love their lineup. I I just, I don't know if they're at the point where they're good enough to where they would kind of sell their farm system and sell their top prospects for some pitching, but they could uh, make a run if they
0: did. Yeah. Another thing that kind of stood out to me as I was watching baseball this weekend and as I look at the stats every morning is I think we might have gone a little bit too mainstream with a lot of our award picks like Shane Bieber, who was your AL Cy Young is absolutely killing it. But the rest of these guys are not off to great starts, especially like Christian Yelich and Ronald Acuna. And if you look at the the stat leaders, we're already 15% of the way through the season. And like going into today, for example, the major league leader in home runs was Colin Moran. The leader in batting average was Miguel Rojas. The leader in RBIs was Donovan Solano. And the leader in hits is Kyle Lewis. So like we've said this a bunch of times and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but anything could happen this major league baseball season. The sample size is so small. You could have a no name or someone you didn't know going into the season end up as the MVP
1: yeah it, literally anything can happen uh, i'm really holding out hope that one of these guys can uh, can hit 400 for me like uh, our board of bets so i can win the 370 and the 400 bet but I, i'm not sure i feel like i need to backtrack on that one a little bit
0: we need the oakland mats to step it up come on mats
1: yes those were our um, unorthodox picks though where we didn't
0: go mainstream and uh yeah we we need them to step it up get the a's in the playoffs we love the oakland mats all right Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. Preston, got any last words for the fans? Just want to say thank you so much to everyone for listening. A sincere thank
1: you to everyone who submitted a question to our mailbag. You can submit questions to sysmailbag at gmail.com or download the Anchor app. Send us a voice recorded message that we will play on the podcast. And now a third way to send us mailbag questions is through our Instagram story. And as we embark on another week, please be extra careful when you sneeze. Please be extra careful when you wash the dishes. If you are fortunate enough to hit a walk-off home run this week, do not break your ankle celebrating it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Love you all. See you soon.